Estás escuchando un mensaje de parte de Vida City Church Houston. Para más información de nuestra iglesia, visita nuestra página de web en vidacch.org. Y ahora con ustedes, el mensaje. You are listening to a message from Vida City Church Houston. For more information about our church, visit our website at vidacch.org. And now with you, today's message. Also, um, after the service, I'll, I'll announce it again. After the service, you can go to Instagram of the church uh, or Facebook page, and you'll see a clip of the outreach that we had um, yesterday. Uh, it was a good outreach. We were able to give out 67 bags, I believe it was, of, of what we were trying to accomplish and let the people know that the church is here. So um, anyway, we thank God for that. Uh, if you have your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 through 5. I'm going to try to be brief because we do want to take communion. And uh, I believe Jose Flores, you'll be leading with the communion. Right? Would you be administrating it? Okay. So we want to get into our word today. I want to continue what I started a couple weeks ago, the series on the pieces are coming together. Now I'm in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. It says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and his father's house heard it, They went down there to him. Verse 2, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontent. That word discontent means bitter in spirit. Can you imagine dealing with that? Look at me, not the person next to you. Dealing with somebody that is bitter in spirit. My gosh. These are the people that now show up, and they gather to him. So he became captain Over them. You may be seated. A couple of weeks ago, as I started this series, I mentioned to you that life is like a puzzle. That a puzzle is an even portrait comprised of uneven pieces. But when they're all put together, it's an even portrait comprised of those uneven pieces. And it gives us the clear big picture. I mentioned a few weeks ago that every puzzle has three laws. But the first law of the puzzle is that whoever made the puzzle did not start off with the pieces, but started off with the big picture and then cut it into pieces. And your job and my job is to put those pieces together and form the picture that was designed. Again, first law is it didn't start off in pieces. It started off as a big picture cut up in pieces. The second law of the puzzle is that there are no extra pieces. All that you need is in that box of puzzles. Every single piece is there. There are no extra pieces. So that no matter how crazy it looks, no matter how out of place it may look, it all fits. And there are no extra pieces to substitute. And the third law of the puzzle is that every uneven piece fits. Every uneven piece fits. And the only reason why it doesn't fit is because you've put it in the wrong place. And our life is a puzzle. God, before you and I were born, designed 
this puzzle, designed the picture, and now through our lifetime, that picture has been cut up in pieces. And there are pieces that are not desirable. There are pieces that are not preferred. There are pieces in the life of our puzzle. If you were honest, for real, for real, you would say, I wish this piece was not part of my puzzle. And some of us may not have the complete picture yet because that one piece, because it didn't fit at that time, at that place where you wanted to put it, you thought it was an extra piece and you threw it away. And you're finding out why is not my whole life complete? Why are there some things missing? David comes to find out that no matter how even, how ugly, or how unpreferred one piece of your life, one moment of your life, one period of your life, one day of your life, one month of your life, one year of your life, no matter how ugly, how uneven, or how unpreferred it looks, it fits in your life. And that's a word for somebody today that God will take your life and even those ugly pieces and moments of your life that you feel are not supposed to be there, God has a way of putting it together to form the great picture at the end of your life. And David finds himself understanding that life is like a puzzle. He finds himself in a cave running from Saul. Because Saul cannot handle all the attention that David is getting because he had killed the giant Goliath. Saul all of a sudden is stricken with jealousy. He's stricken with jealousy, understands that God no longer is with him and that God is raising up a new king. And so he has, he has come after David with all that he can to try to kill David. And David finds himself running for his life. And he finds a cave. And in this cave, he hides from the jealous javelin of Saul. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 22 where we're reading verse 1, that not only is he on the run and he's hiding, but there's a group of people that show up. And those are his family. His mom and his dad show up. We mentioned and we said that uh, they not only showed up, but as we read, another group shows up after his family. And then the, the next time that I preach, I'll give you the third person that shows up in David's life and in David's cave. That's the story. But I think it's important that we rerun a little bit because there's some things from this story that I think are pertinent to our walk with God and to understand our puzzle in our life and how everything God puts it together even when we feel that it shouldn't be part of our life and it doesn't look good and it doesn't look right and it doesn't look nice and it doesn't feel all that well. And so David in this story, the Holy Spirit rather in this story, begins to highlight some things that are are important to us that will help us understand that even in the most difficult, in the most worst moments of your life, God uses those moments to confirm your calling, to confirm your purpose, to confirm your life, to let you know that his plan is still on go and that his plan is still to get you to where he wants you to be, to use your gifts, to use your talents, to use your ability to accomplish God's purpose. And so David, 
in the worst time of his life, in a cave, it's where God begins to, to confirm the purpose that it's in his life. You've got to understand that we talked last time, but the first thing God will do to confirm your life, to let you know you're in the right place, even though it looks like it's the wrong time, or that you're in the wrong place when it should be in the right time. God, in those moments of your life, in those moments where you're doubting, in those moments where you're confusing, God will show up in your cave. And throughout the Bible, the cave is a place where you go into hiding because you feel distressed, because there is fear, because there is confusion. The cave is a place where you feel that you feel defeated like Elijah that goes into a cave and says, I'm done, kill me, because this whole thing is over when Jezebel is trying to kill his life. Or in the cave like David, what we're reading, where he's trying to hide just so that I could stay alive and I don't know what's going on. I was anointed to be king and here I am living like a rat from hole to hole trying to save my life. And it's in those moments, dark moments of your life, that God has a way of showing up and humor us even when we're not in a laughing mood. Have you ever been there? No, just me? Okay, well, thank you for this therapy session. Then, Well, there's two of us, our therapy session here. You know, when somebody comes and wants to make you laugh, and you're like, I'm not in a laughing mood. Trying to make a joke, and you're like, you know what, just stop. Have you ever been in moments, I'm honest, there's two of us here that raise our hands. You know, I just want to come to church and get a word. I don't need to hide some, somebody. I know the pastor says, look, I don't even want to look at you right now. You don't know what I'm going through. Anybody been there, just me? Huh? Sometimes I don't even want to get out of bed, and my wife says, but you have to, you're the pastor. You know? Have you ever been in a moment where it's like, don't lay hands on me, don't anoint me, just leave me be, let just it be me and God, don't say nothing to me. Have you ever come into church like that? I have. Sometimes, most of the time, you guys, oh, Pastor Paul in the office, he's in there, he's in there trying to go over his notes and everything. No, sometimes it's like, I don't want to come out. Just leave me alone. I don't want to see nobody today. You're the only one that feels that way. You know? And you can point a finger and judge at me, but David was a man after God's own heart, and look where he's at in the cave. Leave me alone. Everything's not going right. I just want to be by myself. I'm trying to save myself from going crazy. Anybody been in that street? Just leave me alone. I don't understand this. I've been anointed for the castle, but what am I doing in my cave? So David is running, and the first people that God will send to you in those moments are people that love you and care for you as a person, and right now they could care less about your title. Because you have too many people that are around you like bees with honey when they know that you have the title and you're on your way to the castle. But when you're in the cave, they're nowhere to be found. You need people in your life that understand the anointing 
that you have on your life for the castle, but the crisis that you're going through, the problem that you're going through, the situation you're going through is not going to change my mind about the calling on your life, the purpose on your life, and what God designed you to be. If you're supposed to be in the castle, even if you're in the cave, that doesn't change my mind. I know you're on your way to the castle, but I don't need to be with you in the castle only. I want you to know you can trust me. I'm here even in your cave moment. And though David is trying to run and hide from his enemy and hide from the hatred and hide from the criticism and hide from all of that, one thing you can do, you can hide from all the hatred you want, but you'll never outrun the love of God. And even in your cave, God will show up and tell you, I love you. I'm here for you. And no matter what they've said, I want you to know you are still called to the castle, even though you're going through a piece of your puzzle that's ugly, unpreferred, and and not fitting in your mind, even in that piece of your life, I show up and let you know that you're anointed for the castle, though you're going through your cave. So the first thing that God will send to you, the first group of people, are people. And you got to understand this, these people. I'm just going over what, what I spoke a couple weeks ago. These people were at David's ordination service when the prophet Samuel is anointing him with oil. These people are the ones that were not qualified according to God. And David was out in the pasture because sometimes you've got to be out in the pasture. You've got to be out there before you find yourself in the castle. And when they bring David in, his brothers were jealous. When David goes to the battle, he wasn't even scheduled to go to the battle or even much less fight Goliath. It was these brothers that were saying, hey, it was his dad that didn't even include him in the group to be king. It was his brother, oldest brother, that was coming down on him. But when he's in his cave, they throw all that about. Has nothing to do with you being the king right now and being anointed as king is that you're anointed, but you're in your cave and you need us now more than ever. But the second group of people that God will send is not one that you would want to come. It's not a prayer team. It's not prophets and evangelists at this time. That you would want. It's in those moments, for real, for real, let's be honest. Isn't it in those moments where you're down and out? Isn't it in those moments that you would like for a prophet to come in and say, Thus saith the Lord, I am with you. The things that you're going through now are temporary compared to the greatness that I have in your life. Oh, Ramashai. Isn't that what you would want? I, I, I would want something like that when I'm really down and out. I'll settle for one, but if God wants to send 400 of them, praise God. So the next group that shows up, we, we uh, find it there in verse 2 and 3. It's a group of people where the Bible says everyone was in distress. Huh? Everyone's in debt. And everybody that was discontent, bitter in spirit, okay, wait a minute, well, hold on a second. I need, I need an intercession group here. I need somebody to come and just say, oh, my brother, I, I, I'm here because of the Lord, and I've got a special word for you. The last thing I need in my life when I'm feeling down and low in my cave is somebody that's 
worse off than I am and needing. I told you I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to see nobody. I don't want. And you're sending me 400 men. None of them to say, hey, got a word from the Lord. None of them. You got 400 people that are maybe worse off than you are, and God is sending them to your life. Stay with me because I'm going to prove something to you. The Bible says that all those that were discontent, all those that were in debt and distress, come. And when they come, the Bible says, and he was made, David was made captain over them. Wait a minute. They were made, he was made captain over them. God will send even people that love you and are more concerned to you or for you as a person than your position or title. But he'll also send broken people to your life. He'll bring broken people to your life to confirm the call. And sometimes we're waiting for somebody that's not broken, that's totally whole, that has a great ministry, that has always been on TV, that has been. We want somebody like that to come and tell us, confirm our ministry. And God sometimes won't do that. God will bring the worst people, the people that you never thought or imagined. He'll bring them into your life to confirm what you already know. He brings these people into their lives. Listen, these people don't have a title to confirm anything on their lives. They're not prophets. They're not evangelists. They're not apostles. But they're broken people who are distressed, who are discontent, who are bitter in spirit. And God will send them to you to say the same thing in your life or to your life or your life that you already know. You already know you've been anointed king. You already know you've been a you, you were anointed to be a leader. But God will use the uncommon to confirm something to you. Let, 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 me, let me see if I, can, if I can help you. It's easy, in a sense, to lead people that have PhDs. That study through DVDs. To have a group of people that have their masters, their bachelors. To have a group of people that come to you that know accounting. That are business people. Successful business people. Wow, what a delight. And you think that that confirms your calling? What confirmed David's calling was... What can you do with this broken life? What can you do when this person is in debt? What can you do to this life that is discontent? What can you do with this marriage that is bitter in spirit? What can you do with them? It's easy to be leaders of people that are already made, that are already good. But God is wanting to let David know, I could have brought all those people to you. But I want you to know that the leader that is inside of you will be confirmed what you're going to do with the broken. What you're going to do in the life of the distressed. What you're to do in the lives of those that are in debt what you're going to do in the lives that those are bitter that's what proves your leadership that's what proves your calling that's what proves your anointing it's not everything was already made 
I say this for the glory of God. We formed a new district. We didn't come in and take the chair of a, 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 a being a successor of somebody that already had been there for years and now we just sit in that position. We had to come in from the bottom up, a structure, meet the criteria to be able to see if we could really do it. It wasn't that, oh, he's a superintendent of the Gulf Latin District. That would have been great, 500 churches. But we're restructuring now in four, so create a new district. Because anybody could sit in that chair. But let's see if you're really a leader and create a district from the bottom up and see if you could survive. And we've been, for the glory of God, 12 districts now, or, or 12 years as a district. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say you could be, oh, they can hand you a business. And they can hand you a, 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 a factory. They can hand you a restaurant that's already built. But God wants to let you know that you are been, you've been made better than that and he'll give you something that's that's the, that nothing that that is, is is crumbled down he'll give you a broken down system he'll give you a broken down church he'll give you a broken down business he'll give you a broken down account and say and he'll put you there to say it's the broken that when you make it big it's the broken that when you fix it that's that confirms the calling on your life that was told to you long time ago so david it's expecting for somebody, and I'll get to it next week, where the prophet finally shows up. But this is not a time for the prophet. This is a time for the broken people because leadership has to deal with how can you deal with somebody. When I say leader, all of us are leaders. It may not be in an organization. It may not be in a business. It may not be entrepreneurship. But it, you are a leader in the circle of influence where God has placed you in your job, in school, in the university. And the things that you're going through in life, whether as a businessman, whether as a husband, whether as a student, or just a believer, the same things that you go through in life Everybody else has gone or is going through it. God is wanting to use these experiences to be able to help somebody else and to confirm the calling that's on your life as a leader, as a man and woman of God in the circle of influence that you're at and where you are. These people come to David. Let, let me see if I can explain it to you a little bit better. I, I, you're looking at me like deers with headlights. Let me tell you why this is in the Bible. That he sent them all these, and the Bible says, and they made him, or, or he was made leader over them. Because they come to David, and they say, we have nothing to offer you. But there's no doubt that we have heard, we have seen, that there's a hand of God on your life. Everything you touch prospers. Everything you start flourishes. Everything you do and everyone you help, boom, they get out of their slump. Everything that you say to somebody to encourage them, boom, it takes them to the next level. We've seen that your hand, I, we could have gone to somebody else. We could have looked for therapists over there. We could have gone to the psychiatric ward because we almost lost our minds with everything that we've been going through. We could have, but you know what? We saw and we heard that your, God's hand is on your life and we've seen it. And I know we got nothing. I know I'm, you know what? I'm bitter in spirit right now. And I'm just keeping my words short because David, right now, the way I feel. The other one is saying, David, I, I got not one cent in my pocket and they're running after me, looking for me. My wife kicked me out and says until you come back and pay the bills you know what I'm tired of being harassed and so I had to run because they're after me and the other one says you know what I'm so stressed out I can't deal with the issues right now but one thing we've known we've heard about David 
And we've seen that God's hand is upon you, so we have nothing to show for it or anything to offer you, but we just want to let you know you're our leader. Let me see if I can put this in perspective, why that's there. Because in chapter 16, David is anointed. In chapter 17, he kills Goliath. In chapter 18, he's running and avoids the jealous javelin of Saul. In chapter 19 to 21, not only he's running as a fugitive, trying to save his life, but at the end of chapter 21, he has to act all crazy like he's, he's all out of it just to save his life. And in chapter 22, the broken, the indebted, the discontent come to him and say, you are our captain. Let, let, let me see if I could help you again. In chapter 16, David is anointed king. In chapter 17, David kills Goliath. In chapter 18, Saul is trying to kill him, so he avoids that. In chapter 19 through 21, he's on the run and goes and hides out, camps out in the enemy's camp. But in the end of chapter 21, he's acting crazy because he's trying to save his life. And the Bible says that even saliva is running down his beard. But in chapter 22, now the discontent, the indebted, and all those that are broken show up and they say, you are our captain. Here's the point. Since the day David was anointed, nobody ever followed him. Since the day David was anointed, he had no leadership. From point chapter 16 to chapter 22, there is no sign of him being a ruler or a leader. But God brings 400 men to that cave to let him know this is where you start. I'm going to show you the power that you have and the influence that you have. And one of the things before I close, because we are going to take communion and, and, and we want to hear also one of the few chapters that are left about our grow class. One of the things that I need to know, let you know is that they come and for the first time David feels like a leader. For the first time, David has 400 men. They're discontent. They're bitter in spirit. They're broken. They're in debt. But he has 400 men. By the time he comes out with those 400 men, out of those 400 men, 30 of them are classified as the David's, how does it say it? David's valiant or David's mighty men. That's how it's said in English. In Spanish, it's los hombres valientes de David. Out of those 400 men, 30 of them are classified as David's mighty men. And three of them put together are lethal. They would be like the Navy SEAL today. Out of 400 broken men. That's how God wanted to confirm his ministry. You are a leader that you could take broken people and turn their lives around and make out of them an army. Now you are beginning for the first time. You're beginning to realize the calling that's on your life, the uh, anointing that's on your life, and the power and authority I've given you in your life to change people's lives. And whatever you're doing in life, God has anointed you to be an influence in your circle of influence, to impact their lives, to change their lives, that they could see that God is on your life and that they could see through what you're doing that God has given it to you. And they could also say, I, I want God too. 
thank you for the little means and amens anyway. It's not all about you. God didn't give you what he gave you because about just because of you. He's blessing you because our job, knowing Jesus Christ, is to bring those in our circle of influence to Christ as well. What are you doing as a business when you go to some business or some conference? What, what are you doing to use your godly influence so that somebody can see God in your life? What are you doing, whether you're in the university, whether you're just an employee? What are you doing with what God has given you, saving your life, writing your name, the Lamb's book of life, delivering you from hell? What are you doing with what God has anointed you to do to influence somebody else's life? It's not all about you, and it's not all about me. So David is confirmed that all these 400 men are now asking him to be their leader. They're saying, we weren't in chapter 16 where you got anointed. We're not in chapter 16 where they anointed you to be king. But we are here in the cave to say to you the same thing that God told you in chapter 16. That you would be a king and that you would be a leader. Here we are. We're your first group that you're going to lead. And for the first time in David's life, he's beginning to see, even though the cave was a rough piece of the puzzle, even though he's running and that piece of the puzzle is unpreferred because Saul is trying to kill him. But he's beginning to see that life is like a puzzle and everything is being put together. And he's beginning to see, ah, now I know what God is doing. Now I know that these, how these pieces fit in my life. I close with this. Stop waiting for the perfect people to give you the perfect confirmation. You'd be surprised that sometimes God will send you the broken, the least expected person to give you the right confirmation. There's a lesson that needs to be learned. When these men, listen closely, submitted, say with me submitted. I know for you, many people, that's an ugly, hard word. You like it when you're the boss at work. You like it when you're the manager. You like it when you're dad. You like it when you're the husband. And when you're mom too, your place of influence. Submit. When these men submitted to David's leadership, they understood that they would no longer be distressed. When these men submitted, submitted to David's leadership, they understood that they would no longer be in debt. When these men submitted to David's leadership, they understood that they would no longer be discontent. When these men understood that we will submit under his leadership, that his leadership was going to make them great on the way out when they weren't great on the way in. They understood if we submit under the leadership Nothing but good will happen because God has structured leadership and also protocols that what runs from the top will run to the bottom. And they understood. We understand that God is over your life. And if I can submit to that as much as I hate it, as much as I hate but if God has brought me under a leadership, that leadership definitely in time will make me better than what I was right now when I came in. And the proof is there. 400 men leave that cave with a leader named David. 
and an army. God was already preparing his cabinet with David, not with all the prestige, not with all the titles. But I want you to see how powerful your influence and anointing is. And I'm going to send you 400 people that nobody really wants. That's why they're running. And those that nobody wants, I close with this phrase. If we can minister to those that nobody wants, God will bring to us those that everybody wants. If we can minister to those that nobody wants, in David's case, the distress, the in debt, the discontent. If you can minister, David, to them, I will bring to you and make for you the people, the army that everybody else would desire to have. And when Navida City Church can engage into ministering to the broken, to the in debt, to those bitter in spirit, and we can pour our lives into them and minister to them, God will grant us from them the people and make this church the people that everybody would want to be part of. Because David's leadership was not made up perfect people, titles, and everything. He confirmed his leadership, God did, by saying, here's 400 broken people, what can you do with them? They wanted him to be their leader, and a mighty army came out of that. So, just remember, your life is a puzzle. And I don't know what piece of that puzzle you're going through right now, but be patient. We try to make do a puzzle with our grandkids, especially the oldest one. And he can be impatient trying to force a piece of puzzle that doesn't go in that place. And because we have already done puzzles, you have to be patient. Say, no, papi, it's like this. No, look at the picture. See that? See where it's at? Let's look a place where it's at. Oh, Grandpa, I found it. It fits. Be patient. Look at the picture. Don't forget what God called you to do. Say, God, this piece of my life that I'm going through right now, it's unpreferred. I really don't like it. It's shaped in a weird way. And you look at it by itself, and it's just an ugly, awkward piece. But I know that it fits. And if that's my life right now, God, make it fit. Help me to be patient and make it fit that it is part. It's How long do you hold that puzzle? You'll hold it as long as until you find the place for it. You're going to have to use that puzzle whether you say, hey, psst, I'm getting another piece. I can't find it, right? Ah, You're still going to have to come back and put that piece in place. Because it fits and there are no extra pieces. That's just part of the process.